Welcome to Hayden Films Verge, episode number six. Today we are in Albany, New York, once again, and we are visiting White Lake Music and Post. I am your host, Hayden Crudoff, and I have Brandon here from Kutztown University. Why are we here today? So we're here today not only to talk to David, who owns this beautiful studio, um, but we're also looking to shoot a music video later in the day for Center City Drive. So. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Today's going to be a great show. We've talked about this for a long, long time. But first, everyone out there that may be watching us on some of our video platforms, please like and share the video. Um, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. And over here on the left-hand side, you'll see some um, YouTube cards. Please click on those from some of our previous episodes of Hayden Films Verge. And also click on the link um, to learn more about White Lake Music and Post and their services and what they have to offer. So let's start. Mr. David, thank you for having us. We appreciate it. Um, and um, I don't want to mispronounce your name because I know it's it's difficult. But if you would like to introduce yourself to the our audience, and um, and tell us a little bit about you know this great studio and some of the history and a little bit about your background. I'm glad to. So uh, David Bourgeois and uh, our studio is White Lake Music and Post, and we do a pretty broad range of. Uh, audio production and post-production. So we do everything from recording music like we're going to get to do a little bit later sure. today. Uh, we work with music that's already been recorded, uh, editing and mixing and overdubs and things like that. Uh, we're fortunate to also work over in the uh, film and television side, uh, mixing, post-production, uh, music composition, and we do a great deal of work uh, in voiceover. Uh, we do that work both here and uh, through affiliate studios uh, all over the country. Right, I was going to say, I saw that you had, well, we have your, I think, the main studio right over here that we can see sure. from here from the control room, but you have three other studios as well, so you, they're each dedicated to a different aspect of we do. do so the other three studios you saw are primarily dedicated to voiceover uh dialogue re-recording for film and tv uh and uh the new thing <laughs> sort of what we're doing here uh mm -hmm. podcasts sure we're getting a lot of call to uh help uh, organizations and businesses and arts entities create podcasts so we do a lot of that then in the back of the house that you didn't see we also have an animation uh and design studio and we have two people in-house that uh, one is very heavy in both 2D and 3D animation, uh, and the other is heavy in art and design work. So we do that sort of thing as well. Awesome, fantastic. So um, why have you decided, and again, a lot of our listeners and obviously you know, content creators are going down the podcast realm. Sure. Um, why do you see this as a viable um, opportunity for people that you may collaborate, and why do you think podcast in general has been exploding for the last few years? I think it's a very authentic way uh, for, let's say, a service provider to present themselves. Uh, I think uh, it lends credibility to the individual, mm -hmm. and I think there's great value in giving something away. In, in a lot of podcast scenarios, you know, it, it's just available. You're not necessarily paying for it. In some cases, I suppose you are. Mm -hmm. But I think there's great value when you have knowledge uh, in, in an area to give some of that away. And you become then, uh, you know, a credible uh, credible service provider in the community. You grow the community who 
about people who are aware of your services. And uh, I think that leads to awareness or customers or donations or whatever the thing you're after sure. is. No, I think that's a really good point. I think that, you know, it gives you an, an extension of whatever type of brand or traditional brand that you may have had through print, um, television, or some of your traditional medias. And then it gives you an opportunity to extend that um, brand. And we talked about this brand in, you know, during our pilot where, you know, uh, pi podcasts are really great in the car. You know, and yeah. you can ultimately learn from, you know, someone like David or um, listen to your favorite podcast. Do you have any specific podcasts um, that you're producing yourself or are you partnering with clients yourself? Well, the biggest podcast that we produce is called Voice Coaches Radio. And we are in, uh, probably get this wrong, but somewhere around 600 episodes. It appears weekly. We are the top rated podcast in the voiceover industry. So we're very involved in that. But we've created podcasts for entities like the New York State Chiefs of Police, other companies and organizations. And I think, you know, when you compare podcasts to uh, uh, conventional print media or uh, uh, even social media, okay, so static social media, I think uh, it's inherently more engaging. Mm -hmm. I think it is a real, and, and it's it, not so much for everybody. Some people are not cut out to present themselves well mm -hmm. in this in, in this in this type of scenario but i think it really offers somebody an opportunity for a potential um a potential entity that's going to engage with them mm -hmm. to get a feel for who they really are sure yeah i mean it makes it feel like you're literally sitting in the room with them i feel mm -hmm. like that's one of the most attractive things about a podcast like that like makes you feel comfortable with listening to it it's it's if you can put yourself in the room with them and just kind of feel like you're in the studio just like yeah you can get it you can get the yeah. vibe and, sure. and yeah. you know i think we make a lot of decisions today and things that we choose the information we consume uh products that we purchase uh, uh charities that we support mm -hmm. we we want it to feel right to yeah. us and i think that's what you mentioned earlier that authentic connectivity yes and if you can as an audience member connect to the message or the messenger um, in an authentic way that's not, you know, being positioned in another narrative that might not be what you're trying to connect to. It just gives you that really good community and connectivity. Well, have you have either of you guys ever been to a restaurant and uh, you're eating? Yeah. And then somebody comes to your table that's not the waiter or waitress, but it's maybe the chef or the manager or the owner, and they just take a minute to say, hey, I wanted to introduce myself. Yes. I want to make sure yeah, everything's sure. going great for you. Don't you then go back there because you feel like, hey, I, I, I kind of know the that chef or I know that. So a podcast yeah. is a way. It's not quite that, uh -huh. but it's, it, it's, you it's. You get to be a little more personal with them. You feel yeah. like you have a connection to the person. So uh, it's an exciting format. Yeah. And you're right. People can consume that content on what, what, what would be traditionally downtime, mm -hmm. you know, on a commute or something. Exactly. So I think it's great. Um, so we, we currently work with different um, universities within where our office is, and there's about five different universities that's within, I think, 15, 20 minutes of us. Mm -hmm. And each, each semester, we may have a, a student from the marketing um, um, realm or a computer, computer science um, student or creative writing student. Um, right now, we have a communication um, intern communications intern and she's very interested in doing research on you know different types of film projects um you know the history of film and and doing different types of posts and social media um posts that she does not only for our company but just researching what other people are doing um and she found her article recently on on variety and and it was really discussing the importance of music and sound in film projects sure and i know you, you and i talked earlier about this and i was just wondering if you can 
tell our listeners, because again, we have a lot of worldwide listeners that are in the film industry, students, um, and how important is sound and music to a film project? And can you walk our listeners or viewers through a budget for those types of projects and helping them understand the importance of it? I certainly can't. <laughs> because it varies project by project. But but to speak to the first thing that you asked about, um, we've worked a, a great deal in film uh, over many, many years. And one of the things I've found that people in film have in common is is they have vision. They're excited about it. They, they think they've, they, that they have something. And, and, and there's going to be an outcome where one day they're going to be able to sit there and, and see how this vision sort of came to fruition, right? Uh, music and sound aside, I think any area that you compromise in creates a risk that the project is not going to fulfill your goals. Mm -hmm. So I assume you guys have attended film festivals. Mm -hmm. I've been everywhere from Sundance to sure. the festival up the street here, right? And how many times have we watched a film and said, boy, oh boy, fantastic except for the acting fantastic except for you know the the, the, the dp the cinematography uh, um, and, and and sound as well i think where we run into trouble with sound sometimes is i think filmmakers in general mm -hmm. especially filmmakers who are coming into the field um, get very involved in learning about all of the visual aspects and, and development aspects of making a film. And, and that's important. Sure. I mean, it's got to be shot right. And you've got to have the right people in the roles. And it's, there has to be evenness in the directing. Uh, and, and, and the story's got to be right. And all those pieces are very important. I think, not in every case, but in many cases, sound and uh, music and things like that get pushed to the back burner on a priority list um, not even so much on a priority list of like we're intentionally putting that way low on the list. Mm. On the priority list when it comes to them educating themselves about how to make the project come out well. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, I created a document some time ago that I shared at a film event and it was basically planning for good sound. Mm -hmm. Here's what happens, guys. Many, many times the film will come in here and sure, or, or a feature and they have whatever budget they might have, and 95% of that budget ends up going to fixing sound. Mm -hmm. That if they'd had a better understanding of how to get the sound on location, how to plan for good sound, and how to avoid problems, they could use whatever that budget is, and it varies project to project. Right. It, can be, it can be very reasonable so, to do sound. But, 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 but it, that should be part of the planning process mm -hmm. along with every aspect of shooting a film. So I was actually going to ask about that. I mean, this segues a little bit more into the music side of things. Sure. But um, in terms of, like, educating yourself on how to use the studio and, um, you know, making the most out of your time, something that's always, like, been brought to my attention is that I've, I've heard of artists, I know some artists that kind of go into the studio without being prepared and they kind of go in there to use it as a writing space. And I always kind of thought that was kind of like a waste of time and you should kind of come prepared. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? So you're talking about music artists? Yes. Yeah. It depends on the artist. I mean, yeah. if you have an unlimited budget and you can afford to go then and use a studio as a, as as a, a playground for writing, mm -hmm. it's fantastic because as you're writing, you can say, hey, we've got an idea. We want to record this a little bit and test it. But today, 
Home recording, good home recording, is very, very tangible, very affordable. And I think you can work those things out ahead of coming mm -hmm. in a big studio like ours and spending more money. Mm -hmm. um, we do everything we can here to make things affordable for an artist. And one of the things we do, much like what I just said about film, is is there's an educational process. We just met with a band that we're doing an album mm -hmm. for. They're great. And we determined in meeting with them, there was many hours of work that they could do outside of the studio okay. that they so, had planned to do in the studio. It's like, right. no, you guys can do that stuff outside of the studio. Right, so um, what would be some of those things? Like, what, if you were to give some tips to people that were looking to record in a high-end studio like this and you wanted to make the most out of their time and also not, you know, waste any of your time as well, like, what are some of the big things that people miss out on before they come in? The biggest thing is is starting by asking yourself, what's the, what's the goal for the music? Is the goal to have, well, hopefully the goal is in some way to have something that you'll enjoy listening to and, and you'll, you'll enjoy sharing with your family and friends, regardless Absolutely, of whether yeah. you want to win a Grammy, whether or not we would hope, you know, you, you enjoy the process. Least, but, yeah. you know, if your goal is to have some type of commercial uh, movement mm -hmm. with, with the music, then you start with songwriting. And, and it's not just asking your best friend how the song feels. Maybe you go to some people who you respect as great songwriters or some industry people and say, how do you feel this is sitting right now? Should, does the song need more development? Mm -hmm. And then who's going to play on the song? Is it going to be your buddy who kind of plays guitar, which might be okay? Yeah. It might be okay. Yeah, Sometimes that works. Yeah. But it, it's only going to be as good as the song. And then the, the instrumentalist and the way it's arranged and the way those people yeah. play next. It comes through a place like, and, and then if those things are great, then we're naturally terrified because the only <laughs> thing we could do is mess it up. Mm, yeah. so, so then it's capturing that sound. And people look at all this equipment and they say, well, this equipment must really work to make people sound good. Nope. No. We try to bring people in who good. already exactly. sound good. Exactly. This equipment yeah. is designed to capture, authentically capture great sound mm -hmm. to, to electronically capture great sound right. so it's the songwriting right. the songwriting that's usually the number okay. one deficit then the development then the players that you bring in and then if those things are in place people like me and i'm a music producer mm -hmm. we don't need to be heavy-handed in a production mm -hmm. process because it's already really because good they do that yeah and, and it sounds like a, a, almost from an athletic perspective that's your preseason. You know, you're you're gonna For sure. come prepared. You're gonna you're gonna test. You're gonna run your routes. You're gonna show your song songwriting range. You're gonna get some feedback. No different than you would get feedback from your coach on the on the field. Um, but I wanted to circle back on something that you just talked about briefly. Um, technology, and you know, you're seeing a lot of um, filmmakers, musicians, artists in general that have access to bigger. Uh, uh, new technologies and they're at home producing different pieces and some of it is fantastic it great is. and it's award-winning but i noticed that just just from the optics i see is that sometimes the technology then clouds the artist young old or indifferent mm -hmm. it doesn't matter clouds them that no i'm an expert in this i don't need any feedback um your feedback doesn't matter because i'm an expert how do you how do we help someone to go back with what you said where you're taking that piece 
and saying, hey, I need your feedback. You're in the industry. You've been in the industry 25 years. I welcome your feedback versus me relying on the technology. And now I'm an expert because I got certified. Sure. And no one needs to see it because this is it. I'm going to, you know, and how do we, how do so, we bridge so, that so, gap? So we're, we're in a, it's an exciting time right now because most people can. I can edit it in Final Cut on my laptop. Mm -hmm. I can. Most of us can. We can do it. The question becomes, which part of it should Should we do? do? And and I think to determine that, I I think you want to look at what it what. What's what's your role in a circumstance, and what are you absolutely best at? You know, maybe you're best at at creating the story. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're best at choosing the musicians or the actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and in many cases, and especially in independent with independent artists with independent film production, we all wear many hats. Exactly. But we do need Specialists. to step back and say, yeah, I could do that, but I, I, maybe I should get somebody. Who that's the thing that they do best exactly. you know all of you we've got some microphones here and some cameras and probably any of us could figure out how to use any mm-hmm. of this stuff but we brought an audio engineer in to put the microphones here and we've got a great dp who's organizing all of exactly. this stuff and you get a great result from exactly. that i mean so I, th- I think i think we i think it, to answer the question it is a matter of understanding that well you can what you should look at is Though you can, what should you, which pieces should you be taking on yourself? And I I like that too, because I think I'm a type of person personally that from a producer's perspective and as educator, I want to learn and understand how some of these systems work. Sure. However, I'm willing to step down and say, you know what, you're an expert as a DP. I kind of have the basics. I, I know enough to know that I can communicate with you. And I think that's where collaboration then is you can collaborate and then expand on vision because you have a basic idea of maybe, hey, can we take a shot over here, a reverse shot? Um, but I'm going to let the expert do what they do. All of the most successful people in most of these genres we're talking about know a little bit about all of those areas. Mm-hmm. You, you need to, to sure. be effective. Sure. But I think where people make a mistake is, you know, if you have somebody who's a, a terrific DP, let's say, or a terrific audio engineer, I see there's two different approaches. Okay. You can be a person that tells them how to do it, and then you immediately lose the opportunity for them to leverage their best knowledge and skill and experience to your advantage. Right. Or you can be a person that tells them what you're going for, what you're right. trying and to accomplish. And then let them have some creative and control. Let them. Exactly. You ultimately, especially if you're directing or producing, you'll ultimately say, you know what, that's not working. Mm-hmm. But the best way I've learned in working with large teams of people, and whether it's advertise or small teams of people, mm-hmm. is I do a whole lot of keeping my mouth shut. And letting people do the thing that they think is the best, you enable, and you enable a very collaborative feel in the work environment. People feel valued. People feel good about mm-hmm. invested in the project. Exactly. You know, too many people feel the role of a director or producer is to tell everybody what to do. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> it's to pull the best out exactly. of those yeah. people. Those are the people that win. Like, this is what I'm going for. What can you contribute to? How can to we do it? it? How can kind you make of, this happen? Yeah, it's so great. I think that's a perfect segue because I, I, I noticed you have a really awesome book. It's called The Booking Resource 2020 Guide. And, okay, yep, um, sure. So I really wanted to learn a little bit about this particular um, book because it really is a, a, a great booklet on how you represent your artists and how you actually market them through, uh, I would imagine, a combination of print, social, 
and digital. And if you, you can walk us through it for both our viewers and listeners, because when you showed this to us earlier, this is a fantastic piece. And I just wanted to know a little bit about the history and how this sure, actually works. Sure. So uh, we, uh, we have a record label called Bridgeard Entertainment, and uh, we have two artists on the label. We have a great up-and-coming country artist named Benny Michaels who we're developing, and we have sibling artists Jocelyn and Chris who have uh, charted three of their last singles in the Billboard AAA Top 40. We appeared on the Today Show with them this year. And I think uh, what we're talking about here when we look at a physical resource um, it is about doing the best thing to give yourself the opportunity for success. Example, we don't have to create a physical resource to mail the people. It costs, you know, a bunch of money mm -hmm. and time. Um, but what we've done with something like this is we have um, laid out, you know, a lot of, uh, gosh, let's see here. And you guys can insert some of this if you want. Photography and interviews. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, gosh, we got their... Uh, segment on the Today Show and all that stuff. Yeah. But w w what, people, w w what people often think in terms of marketing in media, music, art, is you hear the, well, you don't have to do that. So when we went to one of our publicity professionals and said so we created an electronic version of that, you click on a link and you can flip through all those pages mm -hmm. and see it. And I said, I think I'm going to create a physical resource, okay, that, that people can hold on to and put down and pick back up again without getting on their computer. I think mm -hmm. we all spend a lot of time on our phones and computers. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have to do that. But we asked ourselves, what will give us the best opportunity to stand out? Mm -hmm. So we don't base our marketing decisions on what we have to do. We base marketing decisions on what the best thing to get attention is gonna be. And we don't ignore the web and we don't ignore social media. Everybody's in that game. But you know what? When everybody's doing something the same way, you wanna, if you're smart, I think, you wanna look for an avenue that people are forgetting about. And it turns out, people don't send out a postcard that says thank you in handwriting mm -hmm. anymore. Exactly. People certainly don't send out things like that. Exactly. We've heard from top, top people in the music industry, I've never seen anything like this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's honestly just kind of a silly magazine we put together with press clips and great photographs, but people talk about it. And honestly, a resource like that was instrumental in booking the Today Show. Yeah, you know, it's 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 ironic. You know, obviously your booklet is 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 very um, unique. We love it because we did something very similar. We had an event at Kutztown University a few years back, and um, we had already done like three or four traditional lightweight programs leading up to we did three events in new york one in los angeles and everything was really almost like a throwaway program right it was really your timetable what was going to be shown on the screen and then finally um in 2012 i'm um, 2012 we were like how can we make this program a little bit longer lasting and we created a little magazine our first Hayden Films magazine, very That's great. similar, where we had um, you know a nice article about one of our sponsors, where we interviewed. We had a full article um, about one of our filmmakers, and then we just blended in more history and information about us. So now it goes back home, and then people can page through it. So I agree with you. I think each and every marketing campaign, no matter who the client is, is that number one, who's your target? Most importantly, what's the goal of the campaign? And if the client artist or, or, or creator 
has a vision, then they have to stand back a little bit and say, okay, how do we get there? How do we actually get there? And, and what elements and what marketing pieces, what collateral are we going to use? And then be open to that. Because if, if, if you're a Generation X or a Baby Boomer or Z or a Millennial, and you're only thinking about that one target audience that you may belong to, but you're really targeting another audience, you need to understand how to pivot. And so, and we, we talk about this all the time with our team. So my question to you, when you're actually marketing your company specifically, mm -hmm. um, you, you see more and more people, like you just said a few moments ago, trying to cut marketing costs. Or, well, I know how to do Facebook ads. I don't need any help. I, I'm an expert. I know enough to get me by. How do you overcome that thinking versus what you were talking about earlier, increasing a marketing budget? Sure, sure. Uh, I don't think cutting marketing is a particularly great avenue to build greater success. It just doesn't make sense. Can it be done? Absolutely. Is there a less expensive way to do it? Sure. But we, we, we don't look at less expensive. We, we look at more efficient. Mm -hmm. um, and frankly, the data is there today. Even a, a novice can look at analytics on social media platforms and learn so much. Sometimes people don't want to believe what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but you can really learn a great deal. And what you learn on those platforms can then be applied more effectively. You know, so uh, Facebook, which is a terrific platform because it has a very broad audience, mm -hmm. broad scope platform, and it's brick wall. It's been around for a long time. We'll let you create a lookalike audience. And what we found is we dialed down to what, to percentage-wise, to a 1% lookalike. Mm. Uh, so those, yeah, that's, that's 1% of people out of all of the people who we think, uh, or Facebook thinks, would be interested in the thing we're doing. We target only 1% of them, the 1% that is the most likely to engage with our content. In doing so, we can now spend more money because we're getting a bigger result. My goal would be to spend a, 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 10 times more next yeah. year than I am this year because we're getting a result that's more effective. And by the way, all of those analytics that you use in social media, you can apply to print media and you can have, you can borrow the information you're, get, you're getting easily and readily from, from Facebook. Mm -hmm. And you can apply that out in the real world outside of platforms exactly. like that. Let me, if you don't mind, let me just follow up with one part of that. You've been in business for a, probably 30 years in the music yes. business producing. Yeah. I think you mentioned you've been here in this studio for 10 plus years. Half. And so it sounds like over those 30 years of experience, it's based on what you just said, analyzing big data, data, analytics. It seems like you have evolved as a business owner and as a producer and a director. How did that evolution occur, number one? And secondly, how do certain people in a, a latter generation don't yet get it? And they stay so attached to old media, the phone book. This is the way we used to do it. This, sure. we're, walk in traffic is going to be the way we're going to keep selling and connecting, how did you how did you evolve? Well, we had a marketing director, a wonderful guy. He's actually my first employee to ever retire. Uh, 
Yeah, so he stayed long enough that he actually, we had to have a retirement party. Awesome. A wonderful, wonderful guy. Yeah. Great voiceover artist, just a wonderful guy. Uh, and he was with us long enough that he was very involved in, uh, I mean, he put us in more than 200 print publications, you know, big ones, Baltimore Sun. He uh, had me interviewed by CNN in Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what that's what we used to do, and that's where all of the effort used to go. Um and you watch the evolution of things, I think, and uh, you can see when the results are shifting, and then you've got to start to look at options. I am definitely not a fan of abandoning something completely. Mm-hmm. To this day, I do radio and newspaper interviews. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you when we talk about artists, when we talk about filmmakers, we talk about musicians, there's an inherent problem that, that, that feeds this, mm-hmm. um, and that is a lack of understanding of what they're engaging in. So you guys like pizza? Yeah. Good. So let's say uh, my friend, she decides she's going to open up a pizza shop. Mm -hmm. Now, in the U.S., 80-some-odd percent chance she'll be out of business in the first year. Five years down the line, probably 90-some-odd percent chances she'll be out of business, okay? But here's the thing about my friend opening a pizza shop. She knows she opened a business, so she shows up. She sources vendors. She thinks about marketing. She's aggressive. She always tries to make it better because she knows she's in business, right? Odds are against her, but she knows she's in business. And you have to run it as such. Filmmakers, musicians, have exactly the same odds against them. Mm -hmm. It's no different. Okay. Sure. It's an entrepreneurial endeavor. Here's the difference. And this is why fewer musicians mm-hmm. and artists are successful. Mm-hmm. Unlike the pizza shop owner, many artists and musicians have no idea that they've opened a business mm-hmm. to begin with. Yeah. So they don't show up. They They're don't think about how to, they don't know about their competition. They don't look for opportunities in a meaningful way that uh, somebody owns a pizza shop or a shoe store might, right? So So could you imagine going into business and not knowing that you went into business? What are your odds of success then? Where's the, who you're gonna sell the film to then? Who's gonna buy your album then? How long is the band gonna stay together? You know what I mean, guys? So this relates to, especially since we're living in a widget-based economy now. Mm -hmm. And since it's a widget-based economy, it's very um, noisy. How do you set yourself apart and how do you focus on the business and the foundational elements? It goes for musicians, um, artists, filmmakers, anyone running any type of platform or writing a book. It doesn't really matter what you do. Everything in this 21st century widget-based economy is you're running a business. You're running a brand. You definitely are. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think people that open conventional businesses... At least they got to get down to the county clerk office and register their bid. Whatever they have to do, they have to get insurance. They, sit, they make, get business cards made. So right. in their brain, they know they're in business. You know, I tour uh, as a drummer mm-hmm. with one of my music artists. And I can't tell you how many times, and, and hey, God bless the people who, who do this. It's up to them. But we go on, and the band we're going on with, maybe playing with another band, you know, they're in the back. They're, they're drinking a lot of alcohol, and there's like... I can't imagine like going into another job and doing that and expecting to get a great result out of it. You know, people put in a two-star effort and expect a five-star result. It does not work like that. Uh, You know, I think one of the best things somebody can do endeavoring into podcasting, endeavoring into film or television, endeavoring into music is like get a firm grip on if they're expecting a financial result from it. 
congratulations, you've opened a business mm-hmm. right. and run it like one. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to go into too, because I mean, even talking about the, the media shifting from like hard copies to everything being online and now everyone's flooding online, but they're forgetting about the, the hardware things we can do. So, I mean, like, what do you think people are missing out on the most now? Cause everyone's on, you know, everyone's doing Facebook advertisements, Instagram. I mean, what else are you looking into? I think uh, we're going to see over time, unfortunately, um, the skill of shaking a hand and building a relationship is diminishing. It's evolving. So now we build relationships in a different way, but they're not as meaningful. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, one of the things that people are missing out on is the opportunity to get involved in an organization and build a relationship. Yeah. Okay, uh, Many voice actors, and we coach voice actors from coast to coast, and I coach communication professionals, they're beginning to do more and more of their work from home because technology allows that but we always encourage our clients hey get out to the ad agency get out to a ad club meeting Mm -hmm. get involved in your chamber of commerce go someplace where you can shake a hand and get to know somebody because in every occupation people are relationship driven we like to go back to the person we know we can count on mm-hmm. uh, frankly part of its paranoia we want the thing that we're we we're being to make sure it works uh, interested in sure us we want to make well. sure it works yeah. out well so we go to people we know mm-hmm. and and having the opportunity to actually interact with people that gives you a greater chance of long term repeat opportunities exactly. which are much much less costly in time and effort than attracting a first-time opportunity. Sure. And I think that's a good point that you just made. I think our philosophy is a hybrid process, is that you you stay, um, you keep evolving, like you mentioned earlier. You evolve, sure. you use the tools, and then if you're in business, and I'm just going to paraphrase what I saw a Gary V podcast or overheard one of his podcasts, maybe we don't necessarily enjoy running four social media accounts. However, guess what? Those four social media accounts are the 21st century phone book. Mm-hmm. So if we're not experts in that space, we're not experts in presenting our brand and we have to evolve in that area. But at the same time, um, the decision makers that are going to make a decision on maybe partnering with you or hiring you as a producer or a manager, they still need that personal connection. So if you can find that hybrid of interpersonal relationships and understanding the digital world we live in and understanding analytics and understanding relationships, I think that's um, a really good lesson learned for sure. People want trust. Yeah, exactly. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, and on that note, just, um, I mean, as a student, so my degree is in marketing and I have a minor in audio engineering as well. So I'm expecting to graduate in May. That's um, great. Just for other people that are in my kind of um, position looking for, you know, getting a job in a studio or eventually owning a studio, any of that, I mean, you were talking about like that human connection. I mean, what else is like, what are you really looking for when someone comes in looking for work and you're kind of like, nah, this, this isn't it for me. Or, you know, what, what are those telltale signs that like they have their head on straight and they're going to get the job done? Honestly, in, in our field, it is, we want to sense that the person is capable of actually doing the job. Mm -hmm. So I take interns right now from eight colleges And they all look on paper about the same for the most part. They're taking the same programs. They're learning about the same software. They're getting the same basic arts uh, business education, right? Right. So you got a bunch of people who are roughly the same, give or take, based on personality. Uh, We hired a guy years ago, and he came out of a a state university, and we see a million, not a million, but many applicants from, from, from this school, and we take interns. 
And the, here is the difference, um, and uh, I think you're demonstrating this yourself right now. Appreciate it's that. what else are you doing besides going to school? Now, some people say, well, I work at the pizza shop. Well, I like pizza, but that doesn't but help me that much, right? To, yeah. This kid said, well, during the summer, you know, I have a laptop with recording software, and I actually recorded two albums for different bands who were friends of mine. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm, so you've actually not just gone to school, but you've Done You're it, doing it outside you know? of school too, and getting Actually, the experience. And he yeah. told me he uh, he needed some financial support. College, he had a college job, and the job he had was running sound at the campus center. I'm like, so you set up microphones? And he said, I said, it doesn't always work right, does it? He said, oh my goodness, no, I have to solder cables and fix stuff. I'm like, okay, you're hired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because absolutely. not only does he have the education, education's great. Right. Education is not essential in this mm-hmm. field. It is. It does lean more heavily on the ability to do it. But boy, if I could get somebody who can do it, who also has the maturity that an education like that brings, that's a big win. So you're sitting here doing this right now, mm-hmm. while other people in your curriculum are working at the pizza shop. Exactly. Good choice. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Exactly. So yeah, no, that's that's a good point. We were just talking about it in the car ride. Is like, how do you um, take a, an applicant of a pool of applicants that look the same? Um, but then once you do bring them on board, now you should celebrate that difference. If they sh- yes. if they if they were shining out of that pile, I'm not going to have my intern go get me a cup of coffee. I'm not going to have them go get laundry. No, we're, you're going to sit at you're going to have a seat at the table, and I want to hear what you, I want. I want you to contribute to the development of these ideas. And also, honestly, coffee is very important to me. Yeah. I would not have an intern get <laughs> exactly. coffee. It's sure. just got to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, no, but you're absolutely you're absolutely right. I think it is people who take initiative. And another thing, and this is true in any type of employment. When you're in an interview situation, talking about, first of all, letting a person know that you would value the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Too many people are oh, very yeah. static. And going back to the magazine, it doesn't cost much money to put something in the mail, but virtually nobody does it. I just, we're interviewing right now for a position, mm-hmm. and I interviewed 20 people, and out of 20 people, one person mailed me a thank you note, handwritten. Wow. That's it. It's 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 a little thing. I think in anything you should you, you try to do, you should try to be fairly exceptional, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The bar is kind of low right now. Yeah. you can blow people away by just Sending licking a, a stamp. Can even yeah. set you that you know, far yeah, apart. Set, yeah. yeah, hey, thank you for taking the time. Right. You know, and an email as well. But don't, for goodness' sake, don't rely singularly on one form of communication mm-hmm. because then you have one chance that the person saw it. Exactly. And I don't think. Any of us need any more email. No. You know what I'm no, saying? Exactly, yeah. But boy, when, when a letter comes in, and one came in yesterday for me, a card, okay. some, and it's all handwritten mm-hmm. from a woman who I advised on marketing, it comes right to me. Mm-hmm. The person in my office says, hey, look what came, look at this, yeah. isn't this nice? And that, that's it a, is that, nice. That's, that's really nice. That feels great. And that is how you stand out, and that's how you win. Mm-hmm. Right, definitely. How about, I mean, people, um, has anyone just come here in person just to do that too? Like, just the next step above right, above sending a letter? Like, anyone to, to say thank you? Yeah, and that, but that's tougher. In an agency or studio situation, you know, um, th- there's a lot going on where it's not necessarily the best place to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also not necessarily a great place to try to sell yourself via telephone because everybody's busy. Mm-hmm. People who use uh, the telephone method to reach out to mm-hmm. a place like ours, uh, a voice actor, so I've coached voice actors for almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, when a voice actor says, I'm really good on the phone, I said, okay, if you call an agency, 
it's going to be short and there's only two pieces of information. You're not going to market yourself in that phone call and say, hi, I'm a voice actor in the area. I want to make sure you have my latest demo. Could you tell me who I should send it to? Right. And you get that name and that email. Great. And I'm sorry, who am I speaking with? Bob, Bob, great to talk to you. Then what are you doing? You're emailing a demo. And you're able to say, you know, Joanne, I was speaking with Bob at your office. Mm -hmm. You see how different that is than just a cold call? And then, by the way, why don't you go ahead and not only send Joanne, but send Bob a quick Mm -hmm. thank you note. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Bob. Thanks so much for directing me, Joanne. I look forward. And that's another thing. In anything you want to accomplish, too many people use the word, I hope to work with you yeah. okay you know who hopes you better believe it mm-hmm. people who hope to do to stuff exactly. are they sound like a bunch of interns mm-hmm. no yeah. hey i look forward to working with you on something that my voice is appropriate for exactly i look forward to bringing my film to your festival mm-hmm. i look forward to bringing our artists and the band to this event yep. you know does it always take place Heck no. But you take your best shot and you give yourself every advantage. And I think if you go back to recognizing, sure, you're an artist and you should be an artist because maybe that's what you do best. But if you're looking for a distribution deal, if you're looking for for income out of the thing, then you're in business. And if you're not comfortable being in business, find a friend who can help you Mm -hmm. and, and, and behave like a business professional. Yeah. I do have one last question of my own. Yeah. Um, where do you see the music industry headed? I mean, obviously, it, it, it started from you know, you know, uh, LPs and eight tracks and CDs and cassettes, and now it's in the streaming world. And people don't buy albums or consume albums like they did. They're more vanity now than anything, or more nostalgic. Um, where do you see music evolving to? Is it going to be always? completely in this brand integration world or where do you visualize music going as a whole well i hope atrex come back because they're hilarious yeah. there's never been a more hilarious format than the <laughs> that, was, that was pretty hilarious uh, but uh uh so uh one of the big questions we ask in music right now is what is the importance of radio and we work very aggressively with radio right now And the radio stations that we see that are probably going to survive uh, are going to be independently programmed radio stations. And the the, the last one standing will be non-commercial radio. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that on the radio front, these stations are playing a more important role and they're very well curated. Uh, So you have your, your DSP, your streaming platforms, and you have to cater to them today. I think one of the advantages of where music is going today is the artist needs to really deliver great material. There's no more Mm B-sides. Everything's got to just be top-notch to compete. Mm -hmm. You need a cohesive plan to market your music across many platforms. You need an understanding of that. Um, I think music is great. I think, you know, there's there's so much great music. I think it's, you've got to dig deeper to find it because we're, we're, it comes from every side. A brand integration is fantastic. That is such a huge win for mm-hmm. an artist. We have a woman uh, joining our team who does that for us. And it can be, you know, if we put, gosh, the Portugal, the man put a song in a Taco Bell commercial. Mm-hmm. And that really helped. First of all, it, it was a good paycheck for them, I'm sure. But it helped move those guys forward. Exactly. And they've worked very hard. We've played with them. They've worked very hard for many years. So it's exciting to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think in the music industry today, there has never been more opportunity for independent artists. You can actually do it yourself without signing a piece of paper with a big record label. Sure. Uh, we're doing that. We have an artist. We've charted three singles. We've had them on national television. Uh, it's hard. It takes a lot of work. We're darn well very clear on the fact that we're running a business. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but the little wins feel really, really yeah, they good. Sure do. And I think if I were an independent music artist today, I would be really excited because for the first time, an independent artist can actually go out there and compete if they do it correctly. Fantastic. So with that said, David, thank you very much for having us today. What a wonderful opportunity. Thank you very much for sharing all of your insight. Our audience will very much love this episode. And um, to everyone out there, um, Hayden Films Verge will be coming to a city near you. So please check us out. And if you're watching this on one of our video platforms, please stay tuned till the end where you're going to be able to see some Center City Drive music video footage and outtakes. Until then, make a difference.